0: This episode is brought to you in partnership with MUSC's new Health and Wellness Institute. Most of us think of MUSC as a place we go when we're really sick and we need help desperately, but what I want to highlight this season is all the incredible, amazing things that are happening at MUSC to keep you from needing their services, really. I mean, All of this research, innovative treatment, there's really cool stuff going on at MUSC and I cannot wait to bring some of these physicians and healthcare providers and researchers onto the podcast so that you can hear behind the scenes of exactly what's going on. guys welcome back to the Dabbleco podcast i am your host nurse practitioner claire o'brien and today i'm here with dr melissa Milanick. she is a clinical psychologist at the medical university who specializes in sleep and anxiety and we all sleep and we basically all have anxiety so i'm like very <laughs> very pumped to talk to her today we've been scheduling this for like a month so thank you for being here and giving us your time Thank you so much.
1: I'm really excited to be here to have the conversation. All
0: right. So tell me, tell us a little bit about your background and then kind of how you got into what you're doing now. Sure. So as
1: you said, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. And so I actually started out in the trauma PTSD world, doing Uh a lot of work with that. My career started many years ago, back around the time of... September 11th and really understanding the impacts of trauma I was doing a lot of work overseas in the UK and now in South Africa and working with trauma and sleep and anxiety and really just understanding that sleep is such an important key component that many people were experiencing with stress and anxiety and trauma. And so for the last many years, more than I'd like to admit, I've been doing a lot of work in that area and seeing the impacts of sleep on all different aspects, whether it is people that have no trauma experiences, just general executives in business and in the workplace or Mm -hmm. across the whole spectrum of helping people to be able to get better quality sleep, understand the importance of it, and
0: to fall asleep faster, stay asleep, and to feel more rested when they wake up. Okay, so hypothetically, if someone was taking a melatonin and a Benadryl every night to go to sleep, would you recommend that? Hypothetically speaking, just hypothetically. So I always have to start
1: with the disclaimer that I am a PhD doctor, not an MD doctor. So I'm not a prescribing provider. So I have to be cautious when I'm giving so. any advice when it comes to medication. But taking that aside, our bodies are naturally designed to be able to sleep. So if we are having to chemically aid and adjust that, minus certain specific conditions, then no that would not be the recommendation and my goal would be able to help individuals to be able to find ways to naturally get back into that sleep cycle again and that is one of the amazing things we know through the american academy of sleep medicine that the gold standard especially for insomnia for people that are having difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep is actually to use behavioral strategies not medications so I'm excited to talk to you about some of those strategies and ways to help people to get off of those medications and sleep. This is going be again.
0: that's going to be mind-blowing for people. And I'll tell you too. So a, a little bit of my background is predominantly in cancer but with in our ENT practice where I was for eight almost eight years, we did a lot of sleep apnea surgeries and and things like that. So I did have to learn a little bit about sleep. And I will tell you when you tell people talk to them about sleep hygiene and when you tell people, you know, well, you, like we need to get into a better pattern and you know, don't take your phone to bed and all these things that are just behavioral, they are not hearing it. Like they are not here for it. Now I'm just, I'm putting myself in that category. I mean, I have my phone in my hand until I like literally fall asleep on it. Right. I mean, I'm t- like tear this, I know I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to be honest. But anyway, I'm just saying, I can't imagine, <laughs> trying to work with people behaviorally every day because it, it is the first thing you should tell people. And oh my God, they don't want to hear it. I mean, nobody wants to hear that your sleep behavior is the most important thing. So what's
1: really interesting with that is that I find that people fall into, well, say three camps. But we have the folks that have been doing the research online and they've read about sleep hygiene and they've really tried the strategies and their sleep isn't exactly where they want it to be. Uh And for those for those individuals, you know, we'll have the conversation where sleep hygiene is a core piece. But we actually know from research that that's not the thing that's driving it the most. It's really the sleep schedules, the consistent of falling asleep and staying asleep at the same time, seven days a week, Uh not one schedule consistently inconsistent where we have one time during the week and a different on the weekend you wouldn't diet and eat healthy during the week and then have all fast food and sugary desserts on the weekend and expect to lose weight so there's the consistency of scheduling and what we do with our bed in terms of our brains connecting our bed with rest and relaxation not watching TV and reading and worrying and other things that I'm sure we'll talk about today. So there's kind of that first camp that has been doing some of the do's and don'ts, but not really putting the consistency in. There's the second camp that hasn't even started with those do's and don'ts. And they think it's helpful, like, oh, I didn't sleep well today. So I'm going to go to bed early tonight. And then they keep shifting their schedule and their body's confused. When am I supposed to get tired to sleep? When am I not? When is the next time to rest? And so we get tired at all these different times because our body is trying to just grab any rest it can. Right. And then we have the third camp that has listened to society, the you snooze, you lose time is money and have tried to convince themselves that they're just never going to be good sleepers. They're a lost cause or they just need to work and they're going to somehow yeah. train themselves to only need three or four hours a night. And don't either think that it's a problem and recognize it's a problem until they crash or right. do not realize that there actually are actually things that they can do. So I'm excited to have this conversation for you and for your listeners, because regardless of what camp someone falls into, there are strategies where you truly can take back control over your sleep and be able to fall asleep within 10 to 15 minutes, sleep straight through the night, minus your bladder, maybe waking up for a bathroom break, or and actually heal rest it throughout the course of the day. So let's talk- Oh, technology. That's
0: a whole nother one. <laughs> uh, I know. I don't even know if I can we can go there, but- So if you've been following DabbleCo and me for any length of time, you know that I'm super careful with anybody that I endorse or any partnership or brand here. So the goal is always to share evidence-based medicine and things backed by actual science with our audience and our followers. So I was thrilled when BetterHelp approached me to do a partnership with them. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is an online platform that connects you to counseling in an incredibly convenient and affordable way, which I think are the two biggest barriers to counseling, access and affordability. So I was actually really surprised when I looked up their rates for counseling. They were a third of what I feel like I've ever heard and what I've personally paid. Um, It solves both of the problems with literally the click of a button on the internet. So I have personally seen the benefits of counseling. I know firsthand how important it is, and I know it plays a crucial role in mental health. So check them out, and they will know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your first month of counseling, if you head to betterhelp.com dabbleco. Um, so it's super easy, betterhelp.com dabbleco. Thanks, guys. Okay, let's start from the beginning and just say, like what do you do when you're seeing a patient, when if someone comes to you and they're just having general issues sleeping? Because I feel like most of my listeners are probably – between twenties and fifties. And I I just have that kind of general, I don't sleep well. You know, we've all, half of us have freaking children, you know, waking you up, whatever, randomly throughout the night. But what do you say? I mean, how do you start when somebody comes to see you? It's a great question.
1: One of the first things I do is I'm going to sit down with a patient and have a conversation to better understand where their sleep is right now. Mm-hmm. Because there are going to be all different areas where we're going to have opportunities to see some improvement. There are also going to be some areas of strength. And so the first bit of the conversation is just better understanding, do they have a sleep schedule and a routine? What are the distractions that are going to be, whether it is a child waking them up, a new puppy, sleep schedules, maybe their their bed partner is snoring or on uh-huh. a different schedule. Pets in the bed, neighbors coming home, all these different noises and things. So I'm first going to get some information about what their sleep situation is. After we get there, then step one is usually to really provide some background and some education on what sleep is, how sleep works. Because then when people understand it, it's going to be easier to apply some of these strategies. And there is a difference between it being simple and easy. So there are simple strategies, but to your point, it is difficult to sometimes make the changes. But what I usually start with first is identifying what somebody's sleep window is And helping them to have their customized schedule for what their sleep is going to look like. That's one of the first key pieces, because as we get that set and we can adjust that, then their body is going to be able to adjust in their mind so they can get quality sleep for physical repair, for psychological repair, and all those pieces.
0: And do you want me to jump in and tell you how we figure that out? Okay, but first, yes, I do. But first, you said you want to tell, you want to teach people like what sleep is and how it works. So Mm -hmm. let's start there. Sure.
1: So, without all the drawings and figures and different pieces, the easiest way to think about sleep is that when we're sleeping, we go through different stages of sleep and we go through different cycles of sleep throughout the course of the night. So we see stage one, which is where we're falling asleep. Usually lasts about 10 to 15 minutes. It's about two to 5% of our total sleep over the entire course of the night. This is when our senses are shutting down. So we're not hearing every loud noise. People will sometimes experience that myoclonic jerk, that feeling of falling asleep, which is completely normal. Most of the time when you're woken up during that stage, people wouldn't realize that they were even asleep. Then we get to stage two, which for all intents and purposes today, let's call it a transition stage. So you wouldn't go from first to third gear in your car without going through second gear. Okay. And then we get to stage three sleep. This is where you hear people talk about deep sleep, slow wave sleep. This is where we're gonna see that physical repair where our body is repairing itself. So through those three stages, that's usually one cycle of sleep, which in the average person is gonna last somewhere between 90 and 110 minutes. So about an hour and a half to almost two hours. Notice we haven't said anything yet about psychological, about mind, about repair, any of those pieces, Mm -hmm. because from an evolutionary perspective, we're going to see prioritization in the earlier hours of sleep at the beginning of the night, focused on physical repair. It's evolution. You want your body to be able to protect itself from a threat, to be able to fight off something or run away. If your mind's sharp and your body can't protect itself, there's no survival. Right. So we see Hmm. that prioritized first. Then when we're going to start over again, since we don't have to go into stage one again because we've already fallen asleep, now we're going to see the first episode of REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. Right. This is where we see more of that psychological repair, that memory consolidation. What did you do throughout the day? Think of it sorting through you know, the piles on your desk of what to throw away, what to keep. Does it matter if you had oatmeal or a bagel for breakfast? Eh, we don't need to keep that. But my coworker just had a new baby. I should probably remember that name. so if your brain's going to figure out what do we store for longer term storage what's going on there this is where we see the majority most of dreaming occurring and then throughout the rest of the night we'll see that we go back and forth between rem sleep and deep sleep so our body and our mind that this repair so we talked about those cycles well if an average person we see the different amount of time to go through the cycles just like metabolism where you can see two people that look exactly the same one needs 1800 calories, one needs 2500 calories. Well, the average person usually sees somewhere around four to five cycles of sleep throughout the night. Okay. Well, If you are cycling in about an hour and a half. So for four cycles, it'd be an hour and a half to three hours, four and a half, six, the end of six hours, you've gotten through four cycles. If you're a two hour cycler two, four, six, eight. So that's what then helps people to start to realize and debunk the first myth that that eight hours, that's an average. Yeah, just like so the average woman's shoe size is an eight and a half to a nine but somebody wears a six and a half or a ten some people need more sleep some people need less it depends on what your body needs and it changes over time that's the terrible joke the universe plays on us is the older we get the less sleep we need so yeah. we're younger we're tired and we need more sleep and we never have time for it and then we've become more mature and we have we're at this point of retirement and we're waking up at three in the morning
0: I mean, what a nightmare. Gosh, like who wants to do that? And I've always wondered why older people are getting up at like four in the morning, five in the morning. And it's because they just literally need less sleep. But it's interesting too, to hear that there, there are people, you know, everything's an average and there are people that need more and there are people that need less, but it shouldn't be like dramatically more and dramatically less right. Like as an adult, you shouldn't need still 10 to 12 hours of sleep.
1: Right. So on average, we do see that the average first adult, usually somewhere between seven and nine hours, there, there is that average. Of course, we have those folks that are rapid cyclers and go through faster and, you know, that need closer to six hours, Part of it too, as we think of as we get older and the purpose of sleep, which is also something we usually talk about, Mm -hmm. is recognizing that yes, sleep is important for our body restoration and repair. It's also important for immune functioning, for metabolism, when we're not getting the quality sleep that we need, it's actually harder to maintain that healthy weight or to lose weight, those pieces. It's also important for memory, attention, focus, concentration, and our ability to respond to challenges. So if we're more physically active, Just like we would need more calories to have more energy and nutrients, we would need more sleep for restoration and repair. When we're more psychologically and mentally active, we're going to need more rest so that we can have that that mind repair as well. So the more active we are, the more sleep we need, just like the more active we are, the more calories we need. So that's why, depending too, we saw a lot of this with the pandemic where all of a sudden people weren't as active and they're sitting in front of a computer all day and not even getting the steps to walk to different meetings and pieces. They didn't build up enough sleepiness, so they didn't need as much sleep. So there's all these different impacts. And that's why as we get older, we're not needing the sleep for the growth hormone. The only growth that's happening after we hit a certain point is our
0: waistlines. And we don't want that to happen. No, we don't. So, Um,
1: no, (laughs) that's super <laughs> So that's kind of some basic background that we yeah. explain about the stages of sleep and how sleep works and those pieces, as well as different processes that govern our sleep, such as our circadian rhythm and our homeostat systems that drive how much sleep we need and when we're more awake and alert.
0: Yeah, I don't think people really realize the physiological impact that sleep has on truly almost every facet of your life. I mean, when I first started learning more about sleep, I'm like, wait a second. You mean that if this person has sleep apnea, it actually is affecting their hormones. And then I'm telling them to lose weight and they literally can't because they don't sleep well. Their hormones are messed up. The hormone that tells you when you're hungry and when you're full and the, the it's, it's so fascinating. And then, then literally people too, I would see with sleep apnea that we're having trouble functioning cognitively because they're not getting enough sleep. I mean, it's wild. And then we wonder why, as I would say, particularly for moms, like you wonder why, you know, having a newborn is like being in a freaking torture chamber because you're awake all the time. And, you know, and we're like, gosh, why am I so tired? And what now I can't, lose weight or function, I don't even want to work out because I don't have energy and oh my God, it's a mess. It's a complete mess. Well and and part of that
1: with with, which what you hit on is that as we talked about, so in the at the beginning of the night, so the first few cycles, we see much more time that we're spending in deep sleep for our body physically repairing. And then as we sleep through the night, then we see more time, more of a percentage spent in that REM sleep. So what happens is that if your body, say your body needed the full eight hours of sleep, but you're only giving it five or six, you may wake up and physically you're okay, but your mind isn't as sharp as you want it to be because it's been cheated out of that REM sleep. Also, as we go through these stages and cycles of sleep, what happens is that every time we wake up, we go back to the beginning. Think of the child's shoots and ladders game where you keep going back to the beginning. Well, if you keep having to start over because you're waking up so many times, it's not typically that you pick up where you left off. So you see again getting cheated out of that REM sleep. What ends up happening is after three, four nights where you haven't been getting enough REM sleep, then when you fall asleep, you see all systems off and you see this thing called REM rebound Where what happens is, which you see sometimes when people are coming off certain medications or other REM suppressants, but we can see this function where we know that our bodies and our minds adapt. So you fall asleep instead of going through the stages for the body repair and restoration, it'll jump right into REM sleep because it's been so REM deprived. So that third or fourth night you fall asleep and you start having all of these crazy dreams and your mind is running and racing and you wake up in the morning and you feel exhausted. Well, of course, because one, you didn't get to spend as much time for your, in that deep sleep for the body to prepare that night because it was spending most time trying to make up and run sleep. Right. So you can see how when we sleep. Can, so one of the goals is to have consistent, consolidated sleep straight through the night when possible so that we can get. And that's why when we're falling asleep at the same time and waking up at the same time every day, then our, our bodies and our minds can adjust and adapt and know exactly how much sleep we're going to give it. So it can know how much time to spend in each of those different stages to get the proper restoration and repair that it needs, depending on what you've been doing throughout the course of the day. Now, of course, for those moms that are waking up multiple times, and I mean, so there there is an end in sight, and Mm -hmm. there will be ways that we can adjust and adapt in the short term versus long term. But the key is to make sure that we're paying attention to being as consistent as we can be with our sleep so that once the baby is sleeping through the night, so are you.
0: So what do you say when it, like if someone you said, yeah, this is super common. I just have to get up and pee like once a night or twice a night. And especially as you get older for men and, um, you know, with prostate stuff or like, let's say, I mean, my kids are older now. I don't have new babies, but inevitably one of them most nights will come in one time typically and it's like, uh, you know, I need water or I had a nightmare or whatever. And what do you say, what's the best way to just, I mean, you try to go back to sleep, but, and that's where the, that's where the Benadryl comes in hypothetically for people. But (laughs) it's like, what's your, what's the strategy at that point? If it's just once, once a night you randomly wake up for whatever reason. There are a lot. And then, so that's a couple different, (laughs) yes, all, all
1: that I'm going to share are non-pharmacological notifications in here. So one is that when you, again, I know I, I sound like a broken record, but when you have a consistent sleep schedule... Uh Just like when when you eat it, if you eat dinner at seven o'clock every single day, your body's going to start getting hungry around 630 because it knows that food is happening, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're sleeping during the same time as consistently as possible, then your body's going to naturally know when to feel tired, when to start to feel sleepy, to fall asleep, the times to fall back to sleep. So there's that first piece. Now, part of it is when you wake up, what are you doing when you wake up? So, for instance, if you wake up in the middle of the night and need to use the restroom, don't turn on all of the lights. Of course, you can have a nightlight. I don't want anybody tripping and falling or getting hurt. But we know that, for instance, with our circadian rhythm, it's driven by exposure to light. When it's bright out, it tells our body to be awake. So the suprachiasmatic nucleus, that little switch in our brain that helps to switch sleep on and off, it gets messages from the optic nerve perceiving light. When it's bright out, think evolution again. The sun is out. We should be awake. The sun is down. It's dark. We should be sleeping you know, and, and, and be protecting ourselves. So when we wake up, if all of a sudden we get exposed to a lot of light, and we turn on all the lights, then that confuses our brain and says, oh, it's bright out. I should be awake. Right. So if we get up to use the restroom and we keep the lights off and just have very little light, same thing with falling asleep at night, where if we're doing that wind down routine, think of the sun setting it being dusk we don't have to have all the overhead lights. We can have a side desk light. That's why
0: technology
1: disrupts our sleep so much because when we have the phone so close to our face, and so put it in night mode. Have it be the black background with white lettering instead of the white background with black lettering to have less light. We can see that that can actually delay your ability to fall asleep by hours, depending on how much light. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, uh, your, your kiddo wakes you up, You don't have to check your phone it doesn't matter what's happening on facebook at that point in time there's lord no right forever but the thing is is that bright light is gonna wake you up and also it's turning your brain on to start thinking instead of resting and keeping it in that mode to be able to shut down so don't check the phone if you wake up in the middle of the night don't turn on all of the lights and don't check the clock if your yeah. alarm hasn't gone off and it's not time Ugh. to wake up, it doesn't matter what time it is because you're going to check the clock and what are you going to do? Oh, I only have, go a, few have hours a panic, sleep. panic attack. Oh, yes. <laughs> or I only have an hour left. Am I going to fall back to sleep? Am I going to be rested? How am I going to yeah. do with my day? I know I'm going to be tired.
0: None of that
1: sounds restful and relaxing or conducive to no. sleep.
0: No, so and we'll that's light, what happens every night. Our brain's on. Totally. And, so and, and there's, there's certain times too where I'm like, you know, I know, okay, if they wake me up past like 4:30 or five, I'm like, well, that's it. I got like, I might as well get up because it's five o'clock and I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. But, and so Ed, I don't know how you feel about this, but my husband has started keeping his phone in the bathroom, which is fine, but I'm a little, we don't have a landline, which horrifies my mom. Like, she's like, what do you do? What happens here with the, you know, power goes out or whatever. I'm like, it's, 2021 nobody has a landline but you know our parents are like in their 70s and emergencies happen so it makes me very nervous for like no one to be able to get in touch with us so I have my phone which is but that's really just an excuse like I should probably put it in the bathroom because when as soon as I see what time it is then it's like a panic a a total panic happens you're shaking she's shaking her head yes at me (laughs)
1: the great thing with our phones, and as you say, the technology in 2021, is that you can have settings where your phone is in do not disturb mode, except for, and you can list yeah. one or two people's numbers. So yeah. if you have your phone in quiet sleep mode, but your parents are able to break through that, even if it's in the other room, even if it's across the room it. and on the yeah. door, you can't see it, it will ring if you put it on that setting, if there's an yeah. emergency. So then you don't have to have that stress. But unless you are on call or there's a reason that you need your phone, it doesn't have to be that close to you. Because again, we talk about it waking us up, those other pieces, checking it, our brain turning back on. Also, one of the things we're talking about is what do we want our brain to connect our bed with? So I'll ask you a question. If you're going to go to the movies, you're going to go to the cinema and you're going to get a snack. What would people normally think of? Go to the movies. What are you going to eat? Popcorn. Okay. So you might have some snow caps and soda and other things, but popcorn, you think movies, popcorn, right? I want your brain to have that strong of a connection with your bed bed sleep. Yeah. So if your bed's confused and it's your brain's confused of well, am I watching TV and I'm supposed to be awake right now? Am I checking my phone right now? Am I, you know, all these other things, then am I supposed to be awake? Am I supposed to be asleep? Or if your brain starts to confuse and think that your bed is that time to process and, think because we've been so busy throughout the day that we haven't given our mind that time and then we crawl in bed and that's the first time that we're alone with our thoughts scary yeah. but all of this is happening then it's going to condition itself to say oh this is when I get to process this is when I get to do these things and then our mind starts running and racing we have our to-do list we're planning the next day so I'd love to share a tip for you and your listeners about how to yes. shut the brain off and how to reprogram it
0: please tip us help us me. I'm so, and then have you experienced that where you crawl
1: into bed and all of a sudden your mind just starts going?
0: Uh, I mean, there was a point too in my career where I literally in the beginning, my first job was just kind of one of my people was kind of a mess. And I could not. It was like, I would get in my bed and just literally freaking panic. Like I would think about everything I had done wrong at work that day. Like I was getting emails all night, but I, and I was checking it. It was a mess. And I'm, I'm sure other people go through that where you get, you lay down and it's like, Oh my God, I didn't do this, this and this. And I didn't do this, this and this. And just, yes. So yes, is the answer.
1: And you're so exhausted, but then you crawl into bed and you can't sleep. All you can do is think. I describe it as when you're trying to shut down your computer and you get the message that, you know, hardware is ready to shut down, but such and such running in the background. Your body's ready to sleep, but the brain hasn't shut off. So my tip to you, and I'm going to ask everyone to suspend judgment on this because many people will push back at first and say, you want me to do what before bed? But I promise you from... Any person that I've worked with, whether it's my military veterans, my corporate executives and C-suite, my, you know, moms, anybody across the board, try this strategy and I promise you, you'll enjoy the results. I'm kind of nervous. So my tip to you would be to about 15, 20 minutes before bed, take a notepad and a pen, not technology, not a computer, okay. nothing like that. And I want you to sit down and i on the right-hand side of the page, I want you to write your to-do list for the next day. I need to go to the bank, I need to go to the dry cleaners, I have to pick up this medication, I have to make this call, and whatever is going on. Because yes. undoubtedly, you're gonna crawl into bed and your mind is gonna start racing of your to-do list for the next day and everything you didn't get done. Yeah. Not only by doing that will it dump it out of your brain, but it's actually going to make you more effective and efficient the next day, because when you wake up and if you haven't fully had your coffee yet and got it started yet, you already know what you, you have You wrote to it get down.
0: Done. Yeah. You have your list and we go then back to our phones. We do have, we I have it all on my phone, but then I've got to be checking my phone to figure that out.
1: So after you write your to-do list, yeah. what I want you to do. And if you're going to, I want you to set a timer for five minutes. We're going to start with five minutes. Eventually you'll get to 10 and 15 and such, but. For five minutes straight, on the left-hand side of the page, I am going to have you stream of consciousness, write everything that is running through your mind. You are going to write down, and for the first minute, so hear me out, for the first minute, it's going to be surface level. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about finances. All this stuff happened today, blah, 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 blah. As you are writing, and you're literally brain dumping everything on this page, Not only is it going to feel like the longest five minutes in the world, just like those reaction Mm -hmm. papers you did in college, but as you're doing all the writing, all of this stuff is going to come out and you are going to be surprised at the thoughts that are running through your mind. Now, we haven't created worries. It's just like when you have that virus on the computer that's running in the background and it slows things down and and all these other pieces, there's all this stuff. has been happening throughout the day that we have not allowed ourselves the opportunity to process our brains need to have that time to process to make sense of it to write it down to work through it and so what happens is when we haven't done that we crawl into bed we have our brains trying to find this time to process and then that's why now all of a sudden people need to listen to podcasts and watch tv and do all these other things to try to distract the thoughts yes But the distraction, which is we can talk about separately, because when you have all the voices and first of all the TVs on the light, not going to be helpful to fall asleep when you're listening to voices and you start to fall asleep because it's voices, it's going to keep waking you up for that threat response. Even your instrumental music, if it's good quality music, it has the volume changes, the crescendos and decrescendos that can again wake you up. So if you need noise, static, white noise machine fan. But as we circle back, So when you're sitting there and you're writing all this stuff out, we're not creating worries. We're actually just taking everything out of your mind that's been there. So as you're writing it down, you may be problem solving through, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I was worried about this. What's going on? You're going to feel so exhausted at the end of those five minutes, just like that yell, that ugly cry. And then you put it on the nightstand and you get into bed. And at that point in time, if your mind's still running, you get out of bed and you write more and you get back in bed. Just like you train up the potty train, a puppy and you keep putting it outside and it learns it doesn't get to go on the house. You're training your brain. I'm going to let you process, but not in bed. You don't get to process in bed. And then mm. if you wake up in the middle of the night and your mind is still running and racing, get out of bed and write it on the sheet of paper. Do not, please do not send an email at three in the morning. It's not going to be your best work. It's not going to be coherent as best as you want it to be. And the light's going to wake you up. Plus- yeah. You don't need coworkers to get an email at three in the morning and think that they have to respond at the same time. Right. So write it on that sheet of paper and you're training your mind that it doesn't get to worry in bed. So when you're giving yourself that process time, not only will you work through the worries and the stresses, you'll be more effective and efficient and you'll do a better job of being able to rest when you're actually in bed.
0: And is, is it true to, I mean, like I, I would say yes, from everything that you're saying. I mean, I've always felt, feel like I've heard, don't do anything in your bed. Like it's so tempting to just, I love hanging out in my bed. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure listening to this, you're like, what is wrong with you lady? Like all the things I'm literally bad. I, I do everything wrong. I'm sorry. You are the common person. That- <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I just want to hang if out. It's room, day, it. to fix
1: it, right? How many, you know, there's some people that if you fall asleep within 10 to 15 minutes, you sleep yeah. straight through the night and you feel rested throughout the day, so be it. But
0: there are going to be most times people don't. Lives where they're yeah. not getting the rest that they want. Yeah. Most people, most people don't. I mean, and I'd love to know. I know I shouldn't be taking Benadryl every night. I don't know if the melatonin's a big deal, but I know. I mean, I don't want to be taking Benadryl every night, but I'm like, I feel like when my kids wake me up, then I can't. And this is so mental. Like, I feel like if a kid wakes me up at three, four, five, I've, if I haven't taken my Benadryl, I feel like I can't go back to sleep. But anyway, I digress. It's not about me. Well, I mean, it kind of is. But, but let me
1: comment on a few things that you said there, if you don't
0: mind, because yes.
1: as you said, a lot of people experience that. So one is that if you are constantly relying on the Benadryl or whatever over the counter that you're using, first of all, if that's what you end up using, then over time, your body learns to need that. So if you've had a cast on your arm, when you take it off, the muscles have atrophied because they weren't being needed because the cast was supporting it. And they don't just jump back. You have to re-get that strength. Well, if you're constantly relying on a medication, then your body's not able to immediately initiate sleep because it hasn't been using that sleep muscle, right? Right. So that's why when you stop taking the medication, it is going to take a few days or a few weeks for your body to really get back into that rhythm, just like the cast on the arm example. Yeah. from a melatonin standpoint a lot of people think that melatonin is supposed to help them fall asleep we know that melatonin isn't a sedative or a hypnotic right. it actually is what we call a shifter so if you look at the way the chemicals are produced in your in your normal schedule we see that the peak of melatonin usually happens around four to six hours before you're falling asleep so that's actually doctors will work with patients to figure out when to actually take it and the amount to take because it's designed to peak at a different time. So not to just be used to see a spike right before someone's falling asleep. Mm. And so partially it's when people are taking it, what benefit it counts for, if you're taking it to help you stay asleep versus people thinking it's supposed to help them fall asleep. And we do have to be cautious of what supplement we're taking because since it's not FDA regulated, recent research shows that for melatonin, what's over the counter right now ranges from Minus 80 something like I think it's 83% to plus 450 some percent. Oh, uh, we're like all dose. taking
0: the wrong dose. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're all over and, place with the dosing.
1: And a third of them have serotonin added to them. So you just want to be really conscious. What?
0: Over the counter? Of, there's a How lot of research possible? that recently come
1: out. So you want to just talk with your doctor about what brands, what dosage, when you would actually be taking it and all those other pieces plus other supplements and vitamins that you see people talking about with vitamin D and magnesium and other pieces to right. be able to help you with natural sleep aids. But again, I'm not going to get into all the, the medication side of things, but that to could your be
0: another enti- I mean that could be another three episodes of all the supplements and things that we're, that we're taking when it sounds like really we just need to like turn our phone off and only go to bed when it's time to go to bed. That's my takeaway.
1: so as you talked about yeah so many many things that it's that mindset right so you and you said it you wake up and you're expecting that you're not going to fall back to sleep well if you don't know what time your kids woke you up and you haven't looked at the clock your body will naturally be able to feel sleepy to fall back asleep if you have that running and racing writing that down then you're able to deal with that later and also another key piece is building up enough sleepiness So we have this other process, this process S, this homeostat system, think of it as sleep debt. So if you, you ate your breakfast, you're not hungry, then you get more and more hungry as you get to lunch, you eat your lunch, your hunger goes away. Well, if your mother ever said to you, don't eat a snack, you'll ruin your dinner. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about, don't take a nap, you'll ruin your sleep. So this is where I, again, it's science, not
0: me. People are but, very protective of their naps, too. It's like the behavior. They don't want to give up their naps. They're, seriously, they're very protective of their naps. So can we talk about naps for a second? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so two things
1: with naps. One, if you are napping at the same time every day, you've taught your body that that's when it's going to get rest. So it's going to get tired. So if you typically take a nap at 2 o'clock in the evening, afternoon, your body's going to start to get sleepy, just like if you eat at the same time every day. So we need to push, if we tend to get tired, we want to push through that nap time, whether it's getting exposure to sunlight, to get that jolt to our circadian rhythm, doing something, scheduling a meeting at that time, being active, not being somewhere that we could sleep. After a few days, our body will stop feeling as sleepy at that time if it learns that it's not going to get sleep anymore. The reason that we want to be conscious with that. Remember, we talked about how much sleep we need. Well, Mm -hmm. if we need eight hours to get straight through the night, make sure we're getting that REM sleep at the end of our our sleep cycles, but we've worked for two hours, we're not going to have enough sleepiness. So you ate that snack, you had those Girl Scout cookies, well, now you weren't fully hungry enough to eat your full dinner. You ate some of it, but not all of it. Well, if we need eight hours of sleepiness to sleep through the night, but we took a two-hour nap, we've reduced the sleepiness that we had. So we'll sleep, but we're not, and so now that doesn't mean that you'll never take a nap again. There are gonna be those power naps, those times when you're traveling. But if you're gonna take that nap, or for those moms and the babies waking them up and other things, if you do need a nap, one we want it to be exception versus rule, but when you're taking that nap, you want it to be no longer than 20 to 30 minutes max because. By the time you fall asleep, get through that stage one, stage two, you've had enough of that little jolt. It's like that healthy scoop of peanut butter and protein versus the empty calorie candies, that small, quick power nap will give you enough of a boost to get you through until it's time to sleep, but won't deplete enough of your sleepiness. Also, If you are napping for at least an hour or so, you're going to get into that deeper sleep, which means you're going to wake up and feel more tired and more crocky.
0: Yes, I hate naps. I, I actually, I really do. I hate taking a nap. I feel terrible. My dad, funny though, gosh, he was probably, he was probably like 50 And he got a couch and put it in his office. And I'll say, I mean, he, he worked his ass off. Like he'd be at the hospital at like 5 AM and then be on call. And like, he literally worked like a hundred hour weeks. And so, but he started taking a power nap every day and he, he'll take a nap for like 15, maybe 20 minutes. Um, and he just moves on. I don't understand how I can feel like I can fall asleep that fast at night, but I don't think i could just immediately fall asleep for a nap and I, I i hate them but he he takes a a quick power nap literally every day so and to your point and for some people it's not always
1: napping it's taking 15 20 minutes to just shut off the rest of the world and to be able to have a few minutes right. to decompress that decompression time is so important so whether it's doing a mindfulness exercise, a grounding activity, deep breathing. Progressive muscle relaxation, PMR, is an amazing one to not only relax the body, but Uh to get tension out of the body, to ground and refocus. I have a lot of folks that anecdotally tell me that have other sleep disorders like restless leg, periodic limb movement, some tremors, chronic pain, that doing PMR before bed really helps them. But some folks will take that quick 15, 20 minute break in the afternoon. They're not planning to fall asleep, but they're just shutting off everything for a few minutes to give their their brain that break. Yeah, yeah. that's something that can be really valuable. You just want to be cautious of not sleeping for hours in the middle of the day. And if you're yeah. doing it every day, just recognizing that your body's then going to expect that's to get it, it worse. Right.
0: Oh man, gosh, it's all it's so interesting, and I literally, I mean, we're going to have to do another episode because we could talk, I feel like we could ramble for like three hours. And I was so tempted to put up a question box, but I was like, I just can't even, they're going to be so many questions. And I wanted to have just like a basic foundational episode first, you know, and just get people the most basic information and then do more questions. So I'm sorry, guys, I've deprived you of the chance to ask um, Dr. Melanick questions, but maybe she'll come back and let you ask. But Um, I'd love to do that because we haven't even gotten into the do's and don'ts of sleep. This is hygiene and, you know,
1: keeping the room, cool, dark, and quiet and all these other pieces. Okay, you can can do that. There's so many things we're going to have to touch on. So let's just do another one and they can ask their pre-questions and then we can just play from it from there.
0: All right. If you had, let's do really quick, your top three don'ts of sleep. Can you narrow it down because you said alcohol and I was like, Ooh, yeah. Also that, okay. (laughs) Your top three, (laughs) your top three don'ts. Well, I mean,
1: I mean the the top three don'ts are are still going to be one. Don't have an inconsistent schedule. That sounds like a double negative. So do have a consistent bedtime and wake time, seven days a week. I know we didn't even get into how to sleep window and how much sleep you need, but have a consistent schedule, seven days a week don't use your bed for anything other, your bed should be reserved for sleep and sex, and that's it. Okay. So you're truly that way that we connect our our bed with it. So the variable sleep schedule is a no. Anything else that we're doing in our bed minus sleep is a big no. Um, There's so many to pick from. I would say light. Light is still gonna be a really, really big disruptor where being cautious about how much light we're getting at night if you are wanting to sleep in till seven in the morning and the sun's coming up at six wear the eye mask have the window treatments when you're waking up in the middle of the night turning all the lights being on technology and those pieces so there's a lot of those aspects and then we get into the supplements and substances like as you talked about benadryl but the impacts of caffeine it take and we can talk about this another time but on average Half life of caffeine, about five hours. It averages about seven to eight hours for you to metabolize the caffeine in one cup of coffee. Ooh. So, when you're drinking all this caffeine later at night, we know the impacts of alcohol, nicotine. Alcohol is so terrible. Many things. You think I it's mentioned friend, the impact and of exercise
0: and diet on your sleep. <laughs> okay, so our next episode is going to be only on like lifestyle things like alcohol, diet, and exercise. I've decided that, is, that has to be episode mm-hmm. two. Gosh, there's so much, though. I mean, really, like it's so fascinating. I think there's a um, there's a book that people are loving right now called Why We Sleep. Have you read that? I'm sure you probably read that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you recommend it or love it or hate it, but um, I think that's super interesting. And talking uh, about Matthew
1: Walker's book,
0: I think so. Yeah. Do you like it? No, is in the background. Oh, do you like it? (laughs) Should people read it? I think there, there are a
1: number of really great books out there about sleep and it depends on if people want the science side. I know a lot of people have really liked Ariana Huffington's book about sleep and just the generals because there's so much from the, from the business world of, again, that you snooze, you lose, time is money, that badge of honor of who's the first to show up and the last to leave and conditioning ourselves that we don't need sleep. There's a whole another realm we can talk of from that business perspective. And those pieces, what we've seen during the pandemic, the average employee was averaging an extra hour a day to their schedule, zoom fatigue, burnout, all these different pieces that play a role as well. So I think it's just being able to educate yourself to understand how sleep works and then really figuring out for you what yours looks like and your sleep and your sleep window. It's going to be different than your friends or than your spouse or significant other bed partner, all these other pieces. So it's really figuring out what you need, what your body needs and reconciling what we think we need versus what we actually physically need as well. So lots of opportunities. There's obviously groups and books and pieces if somebody wants to do individual work. You have the amazing sleep and anxiety clinic and program at MUSC. I know I'm going to share with you. I do individual sleep coaching and other pieces as well that yeah, I would where, love to be able to answer any questions people have. So where can people find you? So LinkedIn is probably a great one. I actually post quick two-minute tips every Wednesday for Wellbeing Wednesday on sleep and stress and those pieces. I have my own website that's Mind Impact Consulting com, And then of course, through MUSC, I would love to help anybody connected through the sleep and anxiety program. If they want to have a chance to come in and do some individual sleep coaching.
0: Gosh, that would, that would be all awesome. sounds like I need to be a patient. Um, well, Dr. Melanick, thank you so much for your time. I really, I hope we get to do a couple more episodes because there's too much to cover in just one. Um, but this was super fascinating and guys as always if you liked the podcast and if you love hearing from qualified medical professionals um, giving you the best information please share it rate it subscribe share with your friends and family and i'll see you in a couple weeks thanks